because myth is a kind of externalization of inner contents. Right. And when we have problem with, uh, with any myth, is because there is conflict between reality and the, the story of the myth. Mm -hmm. And the way to, to overcome this conflict is to going back to the inner sources of the myth itself. Right. And maybe we can combine a new, new myth hmm. that will not be in conflict with the reality. Right. We are here on this beautiful day with Professor Ron Mangarlin on the beautiful Shalom Hartman campus in Jerusalem who are hosting us. Professor Margolin's professor at University of Tel Aviv. And Professor Margolin has written on a few subjects. Uh, he's well known for his work on Hasidism. But we thought that in today's conversation, we would instead talk about his work on inner religion, the process of interiorization in religious life, um, particularly in Jewish sources, as his title indicates. The subtitle being a phenomenology of inner religious life and its manifestation from the Bible to Hasidic texts, really from the beginning of Jewish religious literature up until today. Quite a, a broad survey. So firstly, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thank you too. What I find that you do very, very interestingly here in your introduction is that you're very well aware of the challenges that face a comparative study in religion. Um, and what I'd like to perhaps do is to begin by reading just one paragraph from your introduction here um, and open up conversation about the challenges of doing proper comparative work in the field of religious studies. Uh, and then we'll move on to the subject of your thesis itself, which is interiorization. How does that sound? Very good. Good. I like your decision to begin with this. Good. You write that your aim in the book is to highlight common denominators of religious phenomena throughout the world with the fundamental assumption that, that despite the vast disparities between, for example, Hinduism and Judaism, that they both demonstrate what you refer to as interiorization. So that's your category of comparison. And that you aim with this category to demonstrate the existence of a common universal element that underlies geographically diverse religious phenomena. Um, and perhaps just one more excerpt here and then, and then I'll, I'll turn to you. You write that the comparative discussion of religion obviously requires greater caution and sensitivity than was shown by leading writers in the 20th century, some of whom you mentioned here, like Mircealiade, uh, as a key example. However, the hasty elimination, you write, of this important approach to comparative religion may result in the loss of the primary reason to engage in the study of religion at all. It's quite a, quite a strong statement. And moreover, that the need, maybe, maybe we'll leave it at that. Why don't you tell us about the attempts that were made into a comparative study of religion uh, in the early 20th century, uh, some of the challenges that have been raised against them, and how your work seems to, well, it looks like move past that, that impasse that's breached a lot of religious studies that stops it from doing any comparative work, which you so rightfully point to the importance of. I think that the importance of comparative religion is 
in words of, of Martin Buber's uh, words, it, this is the way toward religious humanism. And um, when we are speaking about religious humanism, we must think that each particular phenomena, like Judaism, like Jewish mysticism, is part of something very, uh, very big, uh, the human spirit and uh, the religious nature of the human spirit. And for me, it's very important because as a Zionist and grandson of real Zionists who came to Israel 100 years ago, I think that the spiritual meaning of Judaism and the spiritual meaning of Jewish mysticism is something which is greater than the particularism of our nationality. And because this is one of the main issues concerning the situation of Jewish people today in general, especially here in Israel, for me, it is very important to open the mind and the view and the understanding that there is no conflict between the uniqueness of the Jewish people and its needs and its nationalism and the fact that its spirituality is part of the big spiritual meaning of human life. And therefore, I don't want to to stay or to be only in the particular aspects of this issue. So you can think that it's it's a political aim, but it's not political. It's something bigger than political. Right. It's it's my reaction to the fact that even some of my books and and my first book about uh, Hasidism, the Human Temple became for some people a strengthen of their understanding of Jewish particularity. Right. And I don't want to be only in this side. I want to, to remind everyone that uh, spirituality is something bigger than particular spirituality. Wow, I feel like we've, in the first 20 seconds of the conversation, uh, we've jumped into some of the, the deepest waters that are challenging the contemporary study and practice of religion. Uh, I think I think this question of, of universalism and particularism really is the question of, of the century in some sense, and also perhaps yes, the past century. Let's perhaps, before we jump into that, into that subject, and I think it's an important one, and I'd like to get there, let's perhaps talk from the perspective of religious studies, specifically in the comparative study of religion, the phenomenological study of religion and of mysticism, could you perhaps trace out that? Because I think that thinking is bringing us to, to maybe the end of the story in some sense, the, the culmination of where we are today. How did we begin, uh, the early comparativists? Um, what, what was their goal in their research? Uh, what were their methodologies and where did they fall short? And how, and how are scholars like yourself trying to take up their project again 
without falling into the same pitfalls that they fell into. Yes, of course. I think that the, the main, maybe the first important figure concerning our issue is William James and his uh, the variety of religious experience. Because even though I can show you many some mistakes or some some problematic directions in in his book still this is one of the most important uh, books concerning comparative religion especially when we are speaking about the inner aspect of religious life right uh, and I, I I said also in the beginning of my book that I see James as the uh, beginner one of the beginners of, of, of this method um, <clears throat> when we read today as in the past James book we can understand that his target was to show people in the end of the 19th century and I think that, that we are for many aspects in the same situation to show people that uh, were under the main idea of the rationalists of the 19th century that religion and religious experience is a part of uh, um, I can say part of the past it was a stage in the development of human uh, of humanity and and uh, religion is the stage before one stage before rationalism um, James tried to show to the mainstream of his time, and I think that even all the changes, it is still the mainstream to mainstream today. Uh, who think that religious is 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 not part of human life, original part of of, of human life, original part of of uh, of. Uh, our point of view and only uh, a subject of the past or even tradition that we want to keep in order to to have any any continuity uh, with the past he tried to show that uh, main aspects of religious experience is still alive in our life even as secular people and uh, there are many forms that we can uh, we can uh, inquire or we can understand uh, main subjects as sanctity or mystical experience uh, which is, is part of our life today uh, so for James for example patriotism or what we can call nationalism has aspects of kind of aspects like in religious sanctity the saint the religious saint is transferred in nationalism to the figure who can uh, who can devote his life to the nation and overcome his egoism his his his, his, his very very subjectivity uh, and there are many many examples in, in in his book so i think that when i try to explain myself and to explain my students what does it mean uh, to believe what does it mean 
to uh, have, a, 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 have an experience of any kind of revelation. Uh, what does it mean, uh, mysterious? Uh, I, I, I want to show them that they have an ability to understand it as is, is, is part of, of our life today. Right. And there is, from some points of view, there is importance to, to keep some aspects of religiosity in our daily life because we lost some, some right. of these aspects. Right. And, the low, and this uh, situation of losing aspects of religious feelings and religious experiences maybe is the cause of some of our emptiness mm. in our modern up-to-date uh, life. Right. So I hear that aspect that you're bringing forth from James and I very much appreciate it of, of the, the relevance of religion, religiosity in the modern world um, and how it may hold some of the answers to our modern alienation NUI and meaninglessness. I, I have no interest in archaeology as, as is. Right. And I think that uh, many academical, uh, academic books concerning religion is like part of uh, archaeology. Right, right. Uh, like uh, going to museum. Right. It's very interesting. Also, I can think that it's very interesting. Right. But I look for something which will be more meaningful for right. life. Right. It does, it does seem, even from, from reading your work here, that, that there is an agenda in your writing and you're not, you're not afraid to hide that agenda. The, at, the end of your, at the end of your introduction, you write that this, this attempt to scientifically find what is common amongst religions um, through looking at their differences and, and what separates them, we can come to a realization of a shared universality and a strengthening of humanist values there, there is a very strong agenda, it seems. Because um, I think that everyone has agenda. Right. But no, but many people don't doesn't want to don't want to to reveal right their to admit agenda. their agenda. Right. Yes, they they prefer to hide it. Right. And I think that the truth, academical truth, the scientific truth, its meaning is to 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 reveal your agenda, not to hide it. Right. Your agenda. Right. Very briefly, what what are the humanistic values that you hope that your study of religion can do that's that's not just a work of archaeology as you're saying if you could say in one foot what 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 vision of values is that first of all i think that uh, the the main questions of of religious religious experiences and and uh, and not only mystic, mystical experience mystical experience is part of something wider uh, is the question of uh, of the meaning of life, the meaning of, of uh, our existence, and therefore I think that uh, existential questions are not separate from mystical uh, experiences. Uh, this is something very important to me because in in, in the <coughs> in the study of of Kabbalah, for example, Gershon uh, Sholem, for him existentialism and mysticism are in conflict all the time. Mm. And uh, I think that there is no way to separate between existential motives 
the understanding of, of uh, the, the religious motives. Uh, the, and the, when we are speaking about these existential motives, uh, the question of life, the question of life and death, the meaning of, of life and death, the meaning of the, uh, the private existence, the meaning of the collective existence, when we are speaking about the collective meanings of, of religion, especially when we are speaking about religion like Judaism, uh, which, is, which is really collective religion and not only a religion of the individual. Right. Um, and there are many other uh, values that uh, the connection between them and the religion is something very important. And first of all, concerning this aspect, the, con the connection between ethics and religion. Right. And, and, and uh, I know all the systems uh, that uh, try to reduce religion to ethics right. or to put ethics instead of religion. Right. But I think that it's not so simple. And... Um, ethics not the law but the religious meaning of of uh, a commandment is something with, that you we can't uh, distinguish from from the basis of religion right so there's there's a true ethical component which you're seeing in the religious life of the community and of the individual and particularly in the vision of interiorization of the mystic and and you believe that those ethics are relevant to us today that they can be brought back to the fore back to the conversation of course the question of ethics is maybe one of the main important questions in in in, in modern life or in up to date in contemporary life we can see all the problems in in in, in israel in america in europe in, in any in, in any in any country because since the uh, the 18th century uh, the culture lost uh, the the um, the religious imperative, right. and the question what is instead is the main question because political systems like democracy can't be solution. It's uh, it, it's the the the, the technique uh, based on on values, but the question what is the source of our ethical uh, values is not a political question it's a philosophical and religious question and therefore um, in place that we can find uh, mystic mystics or, 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 or um, deep religious figures in the past who who have these figures to say something deep concerning ethical values, it's something with, that we have to to have concern concern right. about it. Um, I I think that the ethical um, ethical question is is one of the most important now. 
And we see, we see it all over the world. Let me ask you a question, though. I need to ask you, though, because you're, you're writing here as an academic and as a historian. You're not writing as a religious author or as a theologian. Yes. Uh, and you, you, because you, I am not. Right, right. And, and you don't make any metaphysical assumptions as you write. Is it possible to come to the ethical pronouncements, uh, commandments even, if we're using a Jewish language, without those metaphysical claims behind us? How do we leave, how do we bracket the metaphysical and still make ethical demands upon the person? How do we get past that is-ought problem? If There's the reason that, that I choose the, the method of uh, phenomenology. Uh, because phenomenology, uh, first of all, the philosophical aspect of phenomenology in the beginning of the 20th century, and then the, the um, uh, development of, of the study of religion uh, in, in, in uh, phenomenolo phenomenological ways uh, is a, a kind of, of, of solution. Uh, I try to see the, the materials, to see the facts, to see the phenomena, and then only in the end of my uh, description or my inquiry, I think that there is a place to, to ask the questions and to try to speak about the meanings. Um, the, this also one of the big problems of a scientific approach and the differences between the sciences and the humanities. Uh, only to describe, only to describe the, the resources, only to describe the, the, the past is only, only the first stage. The second stage and the third stage must be the discussion of the meaning of, 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 of these materials or these facts or these uh, uh, values that we can find in, 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 in the ancient, uh, ancient or less ancient sources that we want to, to study. Um, it's it's very important because I think that uh, to begin with my uh, uh, my private or my uh, individual uh, my, my my personal uh, philosophical point of views uh, prevent me from from seeing the the materials as is. Right. But to leave only the information, it's to to do half of the world. Uh, half of the uh, of the work, of course. Of the work. Yes. How do you jump, though, from that work of describing and cataloging and categorizing the, the the evidence, the data, the material, to moving on to something, uh, doing a descriptive job, to mo to doing something prescriptive, to saying, based on what we this is this is the is that we're describing, and now we have an ought. Now, because of this fact and this fact and this fact, we therefore should be acting. We ought to be acting a certain way. How do you jump from? It seems to me like the academic's role is to be descriptive, and it's the theologian or the or the philosopher sometimes to be prescriptive. How, I how don't accept it. I think that the question of meaning, what is the meaning of, we're speaking about mysticism, of unity in, 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 in mystical experience, is the main, it's, it's most important than to describe what we find in the books. Because the, 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 the facts that we can find some some descriptions uh, in one book and in another book. It's only the, the as I said before the first stage. My question is, what does it mean? 
What does it mean that some saints in Christianity or, 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 or in Kabbalah or, or, in, or Sufis or, or, or Buddhists speaking about uh, their feeling of, of uh, Kirvat Hashem, of uh, uh, how can we translate Kirvat Closeness to God. Yes. What, what does it mean, this feeling of closeness? What does it mean that one says, says about closeness and others said about feeling of unif- unification? Uh, I, I want to understand it right. in my little or in my limited uh, ability. Yeah. But, but to leave it as is, as most of my teachers like to do, right. it's half of the work. I don't mean to be difficult here, but it's so bizarre to me to hear an academic talking about what is the meaning of that. It seems when, when we're reading classic academic literature, that question is a non-question. It the, depends. I found people who, 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 who dealt with this. And I think that the fact that this is a little bit bizarre, it's a tragedy. It's a real tragedy of, of humanities. And one of the reasons from my point of view to the contemporary crisis of humanities they lost the meaning to to the culture i'm i'm genuinely confused right now because i i'm i grew up in a religious community and i'm very used to reading to reading religious texts where there's a historical event that's described and there's a meaning that's prescribed from that event moses met god at sinai and therefore thou shalt not kill and that shall keep the shabbat i don't even know what it means in a humanistic um academic context to say that a mystic having a mystical experience in the 13th century means something for me today what it means is that he was reading this text and she was influenced she influenced that one and the language they use is what it, i don't even know what it, I, I actually don't even know what you're saying what does it mean for some for historical the meaning mean the meaning as a scientist is not the same as meaning as theologian or, or, or rabbi who who who, who preach or preaches or or, or, or teach his, his pupils. The meaning is to try to understand what that, first of all, what, that, what I, with my abilities or with my way of thinking, can say about this description of such and such uh, experience. Uh, I try to understand to myself and to my readers how can I understand with my vessels of, 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 of thought these strange, strange uh, uh, descriptions that we can find in religious books? Um, does that where does it where does they 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 w- 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 the, the question of interiorization or the, the, the idea of interiorization is part of the answer? When I speak about looking for ways of interiorization in general sources, in Jewish sources, I understand that the place that we feel or, or understand is the inner, inner world, our inner world. So second question will be, what does it mean if I think that these are inner experiences okay because if it's inner 
does it mean that it's something subjective and not objective? And does it mean that I would like to say something uh, uh, um, that people can say, okay, uh, this is your uh, denial of, of, of the existence of uh, out, any outer uh, source for, for, for these, uh, these experiences. So, third stage, I must try to understand what does it mean? And what does it mean that we are speaking about inner, inner experiences? But I think that for me, the most important thing is that I can find in the sources themselves um, expressions of inner feelings. Okay. Uh, when the prophets say that his prophecy is like fire in his heart, this is a proof that his feeling is an inner feeling. So uh, I can find a lot of examples, and this is the project uh, of this book, to show that there is no immediately contrast between inner and outer. That inner experiences is very important to the religious sources themselves. Let's unpack that a little. I, 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 very, I li very like the, the Jacob's dream. Yes. And I put it also in the cover, Chagall's yes. painting of Jacob's dreams. Because Jacob's dreams, is, is, is the vision is, is, is unbelievable. Yes, the, the letter and, and, and the angels. But this is a dream according to the Torah, according to, to Genesis. It is a dream. And when I understand that it's a dream, and I as a religious or secular modern man or woman, I, 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 I understand what does it mean, dream. Right. And I have something in, in, in common right. with the religious dreamer or with the ancient dreamer right. and with myself. Right. Right. This is a very, very, very uh, basic example okay. to, to, to my claim. So let's, let's unpack that. Because most of the time when... Historian, when sorry, when academics are writing about understanding um, the religious experience of a figure in the past in modern terms, they're talking usually about some kind of reductive explanation. How can we reduce this to some sort of neurochemistry or to some sort of Freudian analysis of a relationship with one's mother and father? That's not what you're saying. You're not saying let's reduce this to our reality. Neither are you saying that... Um, that what was happening there was some sort of true metaphysical objective reality and that continues till today and that possibility that's not what you're saying either neither i'm assuming are you trying to say something anachronistic that uh, what we think today when we talk about uh, mystical experiences um, is the same thing that was happening for for rumi and for the prophet ezekiel you're not you're not saying that either you're saying something different. You're saying that there's, there's an interior experience that humans experience and we continue to have inner experiences um, and that the religious texts describe a phenomena of inner experience. And because they are humans and because we are humans and because humans are in the East and in the West, we can talk about this shared common human phenomena of innerness. Is that right? 
Yes, it's it's uh, one of the one aspect, so very important aspect of of, of of my claim. But I look for for bridges toward the ancient world of religion. It's 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 a it's a fact that we are not in the same place that Jacob was when he dreamt his uh, his, his famous dream. We are not in the same place as the sages were uh, when they spoke about Shechina and when they spoke about even about uh, prayers. And uh, yes, the sages are, are, are closer to us maybe than the patriarchs, but they are also far from us. And then we can speak about uh, many, many, many other examples. Even though. As you said before, human beings are human beings. Human beings are human beings, and I am looking for 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 ways to bridge the gap between them and us. Because I think that when we are not trying to uh, bridge this gap, we are very 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 far from these sources, because. There is a big distance between us and, 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 and the sources. And I don't want to live in, in, in any illusion that I am in their place. I want to see the facts and to see, to look for ways to overcome, overcome these, uh, these distances, not only one distance, many, many kinds of distances. Right, right. Um, good flow so far. You're enjoying the the direction of it. Yeah, but what do you think? I see. I I was going to do something a bit more like uh, talk about the history of academia. You're like straight to the issue itself, and that's I appreciate yes, that. Yes. Do You want to talk about the issue, and I appreciate. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I don't ask. I appreciate the way to to hide and to 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 escape from from big serious right. from serious questions. Right. Right. I, I don't right. like to play their game. Okay. Good. Good. I have my game. Good. So I want I want to hear about your game. We'll I don't like the word of, uh, even the word game. It's right. not a game, it's a serious issue. It's very serious, right. Right. Uh, you see it, it, it almost seems like you see it as like a religious issue, like a religious imperative that you're engaged in. Yes, it's, is it serious or not serious? Nonsense or non nonsense? Right. right. And if it's nonsense, I want to say these yeah. and these are nonsense and these and these are serious things. I, I don't think that all the things are serious. Right. I think that there are a lot of nonsense. Right. But I think that among the nonsense, there is some very, very deep issues. I, you understand yeah. my approach? I'm, I'm very curious. I am not, I am not a, a orthodox. I right. am not right. uh, uh, it's orthodox in the, in, the, in the simple meaning of orthodox. Right. I think that there is a big complexity. But I have a big interest in, in, in delving, in, in, in understanding, and to right. take part and to see myself or my students or uh, and and to to take it seriously what's interesting is that when people say that something is subjective that's a way of dismissing it and what you're doing is you're 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 exploring subjectivity and this is the reason that i am very close to to uh, to william james because he said maybe one of the first scholars who said that subjectivity doesn't mean non-truth right Right. Subjectivity is not non-truth. What is and maybe all because this is the the deep meaning also of 
Kantian understand, Kantian philosophy, that all my rationalism is in very limit, there, there are very limits to, to our rationality. Right. And, and rationality, or human rationality, is not uh, uh, identity with, uh, with the uh, divine truth. It's, it's not the same right. as they thought in the Middle Ages. Right, right. That the human rationality can can reach the divine. So, so the question that I guess the question then is, what what is subjectivity, and uh, and and how may we be able to? What's its relationship to truth? These, I think, these these are questions that need to be addressed. Yes, yes. We have to deal a little bit more in the meaning of subjectivity, right. objectivity, right, and. Uh, and the question if or, or if scientific objectivity is really the way to truth. Right, right, right. Um, good, good. I'm, I'm total truth. Right. The only truth, as you can say it. Especially when we're speaking about human issues. Right, good. Um, I'm gonna. I'm also going to focus the conversation around around mysticism because that's what this series is about is about mysticism, um, oh, so and, and I want to know what you what you think I that we not escaping from good, mysticism. Good, good. Um, I like mysticism. Good, good, good. <laughs> so uh, me too, me too. So uh, I hope to I hope to I hope to see what what you think may be the meaning of mysticism. Oh. <sighs> good, we're back. With, yes. We're back with some new energy. Some new Maybe. Uh, I hope so. of course. What can I? By the way, do you mind if I call you Ron or yes, Professor? Ron, you prefer? Ron, Ron. Ron. <coughs> professor is not part of me. Even my name is not part of me. But professor is right. something. Else. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> I have. I have one. I have a very simple question. What is the meaning of mysticism? When I pref when I speak about mysticism, because mysticism is something so wide and so many uh, concepts uh, or, or so many ways of, uh, of of speaking about mysticism, I prefer um, maybe like James to speak only about the uh, the mystical experience and the mystical feelings, because. Mysticism can be non-rational, and mysticism can be magic, and mysticism can be esoteric, and mysticism can be theosophical ideas, and 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 I think that all these I prefer not to use the word mysticism concerning all these aspects that I or, or, or things that I spoke about, and and to be more 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 concise, more 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 specifically, and speaking about mystical feelings, mystical experiences which are expanding of our uh, awareness. Um, conscious, consciousness. Um, not daily, mystical experience is not our daily experiences of life. Mystical experiences and feelings are feelings that we feel in a very in in, in a very specific moment, a very unique moment, 
I don't want to use the very, very strict limit, uh, uh, um, explanations of James that mystical is without words, mystical is noetic, mystical is, is, is passive and not active. And, and Evelyn Underhill said, no, it's also active and not right. only passive. Uh, I, we can use it, it's good. Uh, uh, these definitions are, 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 are uh, can can help us, but um, the main meanings is experience that uh, that are not ordinary experiences of life, um, and they give us feeling of connection with something which is bigger than the daily life and, 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 and bigger than ourselves. Fritz mm -hmm. Stahl in his book Exploring Mysticism, I think in the beginning of the 70s, uh, developed the claim of William James in his uh, variety of the religious experience in his chapter about mysticism, about the connection between experience, drugs experiences psychedelic experiences and later on second because uh, james didn't speak about psychedelic right he spoke about his uh, nitrous oxide yes right. uh narcotic uh, uh, materials that he used right. um <coughs> and later on the psychedelic experiences in the 60s especially in the 60s that there is connection between the the mystical experience, the religious mystical experience, and such experiences. Right. Even though I don't think that it's the same. But the fact that it's not the same uh, doesn't mean that there is no connection. Right. And these are experiences of our consciousness, of our other consciousness, or expanding our consciousness. Right. Right. And, and I think that we can use these uh, experiences in order to understand something. I don't think that everything, but something about the religious uh, uh, mystical experiences. Let me, let me augment my question a little. As opposed to asking what is the meaning of mysticism, you want to restrict that category and that term to mystical experience, and I'm, that's, that's reasonable. What, let, let me ask the question then, what is the meaning of mystical experience or mystical experiences? <clears throat> Look, I, 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 don't, I don't think that I can say from my uh, personal experience, I had such uh, mystical experiences. S I did some experiences in myself, but from reading uh, or from my impression for, for, from reading uh, descriptions of mystical experiences. And I think that uh, again, Sholem, that some of the main uh, descriptions in, in the Bible are also mystical experiences. Jacob's dreams is a mystical dream. Even though Sholem thought that mystical experiences is only in the last stages of, of the, develop, uh, of, of the uh, religion's development. Right. I, I can't accept it. It's, 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 it's not true. It's not true. There, there, it's, 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 uh, it's not the place here to speak about such theories, but these theories are, uh, I can say, not serious enough. Um, 
and everyone can 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 think about the meaning of such uh, this, uh, such uh, descriptions of experiences like like uh, uh, Isaiah some chapters or, or Ezekiel some chapters and 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 as I said about the uh, Jacob dreams and others uh, and when I think about it these these are experiences of overcoming the limits of our consciousness the limits of our conception of 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 of, of uh, of, of our life and our existence and and uh, when we are coming back to the normal situation something remains from it something remains in, in uh, and and give us the uh, impression that there is something more than what we can understand and and conceive by our senses are you telling me that what you're describing now, that that is what the mystics describe? Are you doing something descriptive? Or are you telling me that the mystical experience points to a reality in which we can get beyond our ordinary perception and, and reconstruct our relationship with, with reality and experience other forms of consciousness? I, I'm not, sh this, I'm not this, sure what you're uh, telling me right now. Look, when they speak about other reality or higher reality, uh, I think that the main point is that they are speaking about uh, feeling close to something which is very strange from the normal reality and something which the feeling when you are inside this, this experience is that uh, life has meaning, bigger meaning than the ordinary meaning that we feel in the daily life. Right. And this is the reason why I think that mystical experience is a very important part of the question of uh, meaning of life uh, that religion can provide to people. Right. So, so the mystics describe their experiences as coming into contact, relationship, union with something larger than them, beyond yes, them, the, yes. the totality of being, even sometimes God. Are you, are you saying that are you saying that you believe that that's the case, that that's actually happening? What, what, what are you saying right now? It's not a question of belief. I don't think that it's a question of, of belief because, uh, first of all, I, I, I can believe that something, some, someone had such experience uh, because he can, I, I, I don't say what is the sources of such, uh, of his experience, but right. we have, this is a testimony. Right. This is his testimony, right. and we have a lot of kinds of testimonies, and these are these experiences or these mystical experiences are a, a, a kind of testimonies that there is no reason that right. I shall uh, I shouldn't take it seriously. But what caused this right. this uh, this experience? It's another question, and it's not so important question because. If taking some psychedelic drugs can change my consciousness and my conception, uh, uh, conception of, of, of reality and a, a, a dream after 40 days of, of fasting uh, will cause me to feel also such a very, very unique uh, uh, changing in my mind. Um, 
the reason is is not so important because I don't believe that molecular explanation can explain our uh, our uh, our ability to speak, our ability to 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 feel. These are the 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 means. Right, right, right. But the, these right. means, these means doesn't speak, doesn't give us any understanding of the of the of what it is. Right. <clears throat> and this is the big question of material and spiritual right. Uh, right. body and 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 spirit. Right. And the question of body and spirit is still a big question. Unresolved, right. And this all the scientists who say who think that they have the solution when they speak that every spiritual phenomena has material um, aspect really? it can be truth but it does not explain what is the spiritual meaning right. of this right. uh, physical right. uh, materials this is this is a very uh, delightfully difficult conversation for me because you see you can see I'm, I'm struggling here to understand what what it is that you're trying to do because there are many historians from from James and Underhill and Otto and Schleiermacher and and, and Eliade who are who are who are describing the, the mystics' experience. They're telling us what is the mystics' testimony. We have plenty of those. We have anthologies. We have Aldous Huxley. We have everyone doing that. You're not just doing that. You're not just giving us another uh, recollection recollection of the testimonies on a specific theme. That, that's not what you're doing. Not just what you're doing. Not just. Right. Right. You're, 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 so we know those. Yes, we know what the what the experiences of our of the many many mystics. We we know what they're saying, and we can see patterns of commonality, and we can debate: is there a common core or is there not a common core? But you're you're saying something else now. You're saying that. What are you saying that's that's different than that? Because because that's been said what already. Do you mean, what, how do I understand my my sayings? I, I I hear you saying that there's something meaningful for us in these testimonies. That is not um, pointing us to any kind of metaphysical truth or reality, um, but there's something that we can explore here in the subjective realm, in the in maybe sort of a trans-subjective, like the intersubjective. I don't know what term you'd like to use, um, and in that we could learn something that would have uh, would make demands upon us, ethical demands or demands or or, or challenge us in our epistemology or maybe even our metaphysics. Is, is that what you're saying? I, I think the metaphysics here is less important. Okay. The metaphysics is metaphysics. Right. Is knowledge. Right. The question is not a question of knowledge. It's more a question of of of, of giving meaning to to our subjective life and our uh, mutual life, not okay. only the individual right. life, right. but also the, 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 the common life of, 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 of group of people or maybe of more than group of people, of in the case of a Judaism, a nation. Right. Uh, but but uh, I think that this is the main point: how to give meaning to life, and not if the, this meaning way or this is way to give meaning is from outer inner sources. It's it's it's. Uh, because we don't know anything. Because we don't know anything. Because I'm really Kantian from this point of view. I understand very seriously 
his revolution, second Copernican revolution. We don't really know about reality. When we think about the very, very basic claims of the quantum mechanics or the atomical theory, so we understand that most of the of the being is the emptiness yes yes we, we, we can't deal with this and we know we understand in in our mind that this is something very basic in in in, in, in atomic theory and everything is based on this but what how, how to 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 digest it right and 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 uh, 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 the same thing I can speak about many other uh, theories or, 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 or knowledge and I don't think that the main issue is the knowledge I can understand how sets of knowledge could be or, or, or where a, a, a vessels to to base um, existential meaningful life in 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 kabbalistic way in, in indians ways but if we can take the example of kabbalah the theosophical ideas are kind of metaphysical sets that uh, they have no advantage on other uh, 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 ways and their importance is not as a scientific understanding of the reality, but the, the meaning that they gave to, to human beings who based their right. spiritual life right. uh, according to, to these ideas. Right. So the main issue is the experiential aspect, is not the, uh, the scientific aspect right. of the knowledge. Right. So... <clears throat> I think I'm slowly beginning to, to understand. I feel like I'm walking around in a dark room and I'm kind of groping around in your mind and I'm figuring it out. Um, and I want to sort of play devil's advocate in that process. And, and, and I hope that whoever's joining us to listen um, can, can come along for that journey. You're, you're, you're after a quest for meaning in life. Not the meaning of life, but meaning in life. Yes. And, because and, there is no one meaning. Sure, sure. No, sure. Point taken. And... And you, you believe that there is meaning, there are aspects of meaning to be discovered uh, in the religious and mystical traditions of, of the world. Um, and you're acknowledging that it's a subjective experience and, and your whole study is one of interiority of subjectivity. Most people, when they think about meaning, I guess when people, when people think about the meaning of life, they're thinking about something objective, perhaps. Okay. When people think about meaning, they could think about subjective things that are, what's meaningful to me? Being with my family is meaningful. Is it objectively meaningful for the universe if I spend time with my family? No, but, um, but subjectively. So is that what you're saying? You're saying that there are subjectives, uh, sorry, subjective paths and, and lifestyles and arts that have been discovered throughout the ages in the religious mystical traditions that impart senses of a sense of meaning to people in their lives and that we can tap into those um rituals and ways of lives and and practices and ethics and find meaning in our own lives is that what you're saying this is what religion does to people uh and and, and religion in the wider way to think about it uh, not only the traditional religions but also um, 
ways of life that can be a substitute of, of the traditional uh, religions. Uh, and, and, and I think that this is the main, the main point. Subjectivity is not uh, a curse. Subjectivity is our situation in life. And this is our ground that from that ground we can develop, we can, we can uh, direct our way. Um, the, the thought that subjectivity is inferior than objectivity is not relevant anymore. Uh, I don't think that objectivity has no me has, has no sense, but there is objective aspect. There is subjective. Uh, there are subjective aspects, and life is the combination of both of of of, of, of these ways of seeing the reality, and the 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 the, the tendency to think that subjectivity is inferior is very anachronistic, is, or not even anachronistic, is, is very, uh, how can I say, um, not anachronistic, but, but um, old, old-fashioned. Right. It's, it certainly seems the case, though, that religious traditions are, in their own description, in their own epistemologies, as far as we can understand them, are making objective claims. Right. Yes. And and you're not you're not you're you're not concerned with the fact that religions are are in their own attempt trying to be objective. You're not beholden to that. Because of the objective claims of, of religion, there are the objective claims of the Christianity, and there are the objective claims of of uh, Islam, and there are the objective. I I very like the the Jerusalem Mendelssohn's book when he said that there are eternal truths. And there is historical truth, right. and uh, and um, the particular claims of any religion is what he called historical truth. Yeah. Uh, it depends in in specific events and and the history of, of, of a group of people. Doesn't mean that it's a lie, right? But it's not an eternal truth, and if it's an eternal truth, it's man, it must be something universal. Right, right. What, 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 what would you say then, again, to, to, to play the devil here? Someone like um, Applewhite, Heaven's Gate. About? You know, you know Applewhite, what was his first name, the cult? Uh, Apple, Apple White? Yeah, the Heaven's Gate cult, that they were all going up to heaven and they, yes. they all took cyanide together, they all took, they all took uh, whatever poison it was, they killed themselves. Um, that's, they, he had a very powerful subjective experience and it was very persuasive and he convinced, I don't know, a dozen or so people. he tried that all his people will have the, the, the same or, or behave uh, in, in, in consequence to, 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 to his subjective uh, right. experience. Right. So how do you, what, what criteria are you using to evaluate between subjective experiences? Why, why be interested in the subjective experience of Jacob and not of Applewhite and Heaven's Gate? I think th this is the point that there are some subjective experiences that the uh, the men who, who um, 
experienced this subject succeeded he or, or she or the author who, who described succeeded to to <clears throat> transfer it to common language to kind of common language that even me after some thousand years can be impressed as a child and as an adult from this uh, uh, story of, 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 of uh, Jacob's dream. When I read the story of Jacob's dream, I can find myself in this, in, in this dream in any way. I can, and I can imagine something. I can see the, 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 the description of a letter that uh, the, le the legs are on the ground and uh, the top is in the sky. It's such a big sim symbol or, 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 or image that can, I can fulfill it with something from my subjectivity. But if the uh, experience is very, very specific, very, very personal, and someone tries to, to force me to have the same attitude or the, the same excitement, it's something very artificial. And I think that this is something very, um, very um, subtle. Right. The differences between the big subjective right. experiences that can um, fulfill other people right. and the smaller subjective experiences that uh, you must keep it for yourself. So let's, let's bring a different example. Um, there are millions of people who are very subjectively uh, in love with with Jesus and who who subjectively experience his death atoning for them and bringing them back to purity so that they can be one with God. <clears throat> there are many Muslims who subjectively feel the purity and and holiness and, and holiness um, of the Prophet Muhammad um, and and feel his voice to be you know the message of God for them. And there are many Jews who feel. When, when we're talking about universal subjective experiences, how, how do you yourself... As a scholar of religions, a scholar of religion in general, I must appreciate and take seriously the subjective feelings of the Christians concerning Yeshua, Jesus Christ. I, 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 I must appreciate or, or, or take seriously the Muslims belief etc etc it doesn't mean that i can connect myself personally to all of these but if i don't appreciate i can't deal with these issues as a scholar of religions if i from the beginning judge other religions hierarchically like hegel for example he was a terrible man because he, he judged all the religions and he knew what is in the beginning and what is in the top. Right. And this way of speaking about religions, typically to the to many people, even today, but to the 90s, it's it's terrible. It's not relevant. It doesn't mean I try to understand as Jew or as non-Christian, I try to understand what does it mean, uh, as Paul said, to believe and to uh, uh, to believe that that uh, 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 
credo that has no rational meaning can redempt me. Right. I try to understand it. I can appreciate it because they, in history, this credo had a lot of power, right. a spiritual power. It doesn't mean that I prefer personally to, to take it as, as, as my credo. Right. Uh, but if you deal with religions and you judge them from this point of right. view and you think that they, such and such credo can't supply to specific people meaning in their life, you are not serious. Right. You are not serious right. because you, you, you don't want to accept the facts. Right. And, right. and subjectivity has factual meaning. It's, it's not, it's not a, 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 a imagination. Where do you find your own meaning? When do I find my own meaning? Yeah. It's another question. First of all, I don't think I don't think that I have a set of answers. I use many materials that I found during my years of, of scholarship from Judaism, but not only from Judaism. I like Rumi very much. I like to dance with his devotees, and I feel that dancing uh, in 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 a Mevlevi circle is uh, maybe the best way to pray. As Heschel said, that he is praying when he went in the demonstration of... Uh, uh, Selma with yes, Madame. Yes, yes, in Selma. Uh, I, 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 I think that there are a lot of, of, of marvelous pieces in, 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 the teachers, uh, in the teachings of the first teachers of Hasidism. I wrote about it. I, I found it something I said some I like very much the parable of the Zeberias yeah. uh, of the Baal Shem Tov. Yes. It's a great, yes. great parable. Uh, and a lot of, I can give right. you a lot, a lot of examples. Right. So you're taking bits and pieces uh, of meaning from everywhere. I built something for myself. The main question for me is life and death. I lost my father when I was three years old. Mm. I lost my wife after 40 years, uh, four and a half years ago. Uh, my mother is very ill now, and <laughs> I am with her between life and death. I think that the question of, of, of life and, 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 and death and give life to the babies, and, and it's, it's the real source of any religious thought. And everyone, as I myself, must deal with it. Um, I believe that, that um, the question of, of love is a, is a great question. I think that Martin Buber's in his Iron Thou tried to do a, a very, very serious uh, effort to understand in very, very up-to-date or contemporary concepts what can be the meaning of, uh, of uh, revelation, what can be the meaning of unification with God, and his idea of meeting uh, as the meeting of I and thou uh, is, is a very serious idea, but it's not 
the all the the the, the ultimate question uh, answer. There are some problems in his answer, but I appreciate very much uh, his uh, dialogical uh, thinking, and I think that from time to time I try to to realize it, to 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 live according to to this idea, and to see this idea as for me it's kind of uh, explanation of some. Uh, a biblical and 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 the later religious uh, Jewish religion uh, ideas, but um, I can't say that in my age, 65, I found uh, a whole system and a, a complete uh, set of of of, of uh, religious uh, instructions. Right. I am not a lachik man. I am not a lachik man. A lach I, I have conflict with Allaha uh, as Allaha. I can't, I can't live with um, ruling system, system which it's very strict. I can't go. I appreciate many aspects in Allaha. I understand many aspects of Allahic way of life, but I am not. I tried as a young man some months and not more than this. I was in Shiva in the age of 17 years old uh, and uh, after less than half a year I left the Shiva and uh, I'm, I don't feel sorrow about it because I met so many people who did this way and after many years they found that it's not so simple for them too. So I, I I try to be to be modest. I don't think that I'm modest, but to de, to 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 be modest. Moses was a great figure, as the most modest man, and and this is also very very uh, profound idea, idea of modesty, mm. modesty mm. in life. Mm. It's a real religious idea. Yeah, the idea of modesty, and I like the the Hasidic and the Jewish. Uh, sayings concerning concerning the the value of modesty, mm. and I think that this is one of the big uh, difficulties of religious people to to make modesty a real uh, a real value, a real value in right. their life. Right. It, so it, it's fascinating to hear. There's no place right. to 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 the eye and to to go together. And when you are full with yourself, right, right. you are very, very far, I think, as some of the religious Hasidic tzaddikim said, right. you are very, very far from right. <laughs> for any sense of right. of divine and God. When the ego is there, God can't be there. And the, the ego is a very, very big problem of all of us, also of mine. <laughs> ego is terrible. <laughs> But ego is also energy, you know. It's, it's, yeah. it's very complicated. Yeah. But these are the great questions of life. Yeah. Can I ask a question which I never thought I would be asking a professor here on the Shalom Hartman campus? Do you consider yourself a mystic? I don't think, because I told you at the beginning of our conversation that I have not a lot of experiences, of mystical experiences in my life. Right. And, I didn't and I didn't dedicate enough time, maybe because I went to the 
academical uh, way uh, to, to, to develop it or to give uh, uh, more possibilities for myself. But I think that there is a, f a, a, a mystical feeling and, 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 or, or sensitivity. I think that I have a kind, to be modest, a kind of sensitivity to mystical figures, to mystical experiences. I, when I read something which I feel that it's mystical, it can, I can be astonished. Uh, and I think that this is also uh, very important that we can read about mystical experiences of other figures or historical figures, and it can and from time to time we can be fulfilled by we can be moved by them. Yes, and does be that moved by them? Does that conflict at all with um, your the other part of your identity and professional life as an academic, or do you not care about academia anymore, or you or do you see them not in conflict? How how are you relating there? No, I try. I try to prevent myself from from such conflicts, and 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 um, I don't. I don't. I don't feel today that uh, I must take in my mind all the time the fact that uh, someone in the academy, some professors, will say, "Ah, he is not scientific," because I think that they don't see themselves. They don't see their 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 their. Um, no one, everyone has his agenda, and it's an illusion to think that I can be objective researcher. I must take seriously yeah. my basic understandings of, of, of life, of the materials that I deal with, and, and therefore it's not a problem for me. Today, I, I don't know, I don't remember even as a young man or at the beginning of my way, but today it's not a problem. Today right. it's not a problem right. and... Um, I'm glad. I, you, know, it's, you know, it's funny, very often when I'm reading a book, the first things that I'll read, first I'll read the introduction, um, naturally, because it's, I think it, it's at the beginning of the book and it also, it also usually sets the tone, you know what's coming. And then before I read the book, I'll, I'll read the spoiler, I'll read the last paragraph. Because I find this very often, particularly in, with academics and historians, Except. Except. that they, right, that not only do they give their conclusion at the end, they also say what they really believe at the end. Because the whole time they're trying to be careful and they know their peers are reading, and at the end they say... And when you take such a big uh, book, or other big books, and you don't, and the, the chance that you will finish it... Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good to get to the very end low. just in case, right? So. right. And, and I, think there's, I think often the ends of books, even very dry books, the ends are often quite, uh, quite sweet, quite, quite, uh, quite juicy. There's something there. You know, Shalom ends his major trends with, uh, with a Hasidic story, story a bad story. A very, a yeah, right, a very profound... Idel and his um, new perspectives with uh, with telling Shalom's story again in his own way and his own kind of ending there. So I skipped to the end of your book, and you wrote like this. And I, and I I'd like to ask you what you what you intended here and what you meant here, because I think that this gets back to our question of perhaps the um, the difference or the relationship between objectivity and subjectivity, and if there is such a hard boundary between them. And I'd love to hear your your reflection on your last lines your last lines here. You write that to sum up our inquiry aided by Gordon, Aleph Dalit Gordon, who you've been quoting earlier, that the focus of inner religious life is the experience in which the human psyche feels and thinks while directly attaining life, such that the world's existence attains, feels, and thinks within it, within the human's psyche, in their, when they're attaining life. 
that in the human psyche feeling and thinking in in this attaining life way of thinking and feeling the world itself it's a, it, the, the existence of the world also attains feeling and thinking within the human psyche what what do you mean by that i, I want to say yeah, because yeah. You say, uh, i forgot the very glasses. last three lines yes yes look i i i think that um, Many, many of, uh, of the things that we spoke about, subjectivity and objectivity, uh, you, can, you can find in the writings of uh, Aaron David Gordon. He was a very unique figure and a very spiritual um, uh, that, that tried to transfer, he tried to transfer the religious experience and even mystical experience of uh, his background, Jewish Eastern Europe uh, surrounding um, to, to, the, to modern reality. Um, and therefore, he understood the meaning of subjectivity in contrast to, uh, to objectivity. Um, and uh, this was the point to understand that um, we live in we live in our in our uh, consciousness, uh, as the Baal Shem Tov said, that in where you uh, where you think you you are. Right. Where you think there you are. There are some ways to translate yeah, it, yeah. but I think that this is one of the ways. Achilleli um, found that he, he found it in Magid Misharim of, of Rabbi Yosef Karo. Mm. But the point is not as we as historians try to where is the first time that this sentence we can find in the sources. But the point is, what did, what did he do with this right. uh, sentence? He right. made this sentence the center of his of of his way therefore the importance of of this understanding in the beginning of Hasidism is is greater than in any stage before of, of Jewish thought before and I think that this is the point the inner builds our outer and therefore maybe the objective is very important but the subjective is maybe even more important. And, and, and for me, without this understanding, the, it, it, it is a waste of time to deal with religion. Because today, for me, this is the, the, this is the meaning of religion in, in, in contemporary life, that it's so, so cynic and, and so material and so uh, um, uh, out there the way the out out the out the out world is shaping our daily life in but really the inner is what is shaping our inner right. life our, our whole life not only the inner mm. life so you're trying to call us back to our to our inner experience the primacy of the subjectivity uh, yes 
Yes, but not in, in general, because it's right to say in, in general, but concerning religion, to look what can religious, religious sources can contribute to mm. our life mm. from this point of view. Mm. Because we are so outer. And, uh, and, 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 both, and both the secular and religious world. Yes, yes. this is the point. Yes. That it's something common to religious people today and to secular people. And I like very much the story of, of uh, Samuel book uh, when, when uh, it is written there that God sees by his eyes and, and uh, that man sees by his eyes his eyes but God uh, sees the inner sees the yeah. heart this is a very very profound essay or saying mm -hmm. that we can find in the bible we can find it later in the sages mm. the understanding that the divine is in the inner right the divine is in the inner right. and not in the outer right. and for me this is the reason that it was not stupidity to dedicate many, so many years to religious sources. Hmm. Because the divine is in the inner. I think I'm just beginning to understand what your goal here is and what your project is, and that is to, to bring a return to innerness. Yes, a little bit, <laughs> a, little. a little bit, because you can't be only in the inner. Right. And, and, and you must find ways to, li to live the life, and the, the life today is very, very outer life. Right. Right. But not to sink, to sink totally in this externality, mm. ex ex external life. Right. You caught me, you caught me by surprise. What do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> I wasn't... Why do you say it? And what do you mean? I wasn't expecting to, to hear what you said. I mean, even though I'd, I'd read some of your work, it's, it's very counter-narrative of what's happening in academic religious studies. Yes. Um, <laughs> so it was surprising that for that reason. Which, <laughs> which is not a bad thing, but it, I think it created an, an interesting conversation because I was trying to figure out what it was that you were, that you're, that you're trying to say. Um, because you're saying it's very, very different because the main mainstream is... The mainstream is, is, is either constructivist and contextualist or it's perennialist and common core and, and this is real or metaphysically Total true. Total common core. Yeah. Um, and you're saying... No, I'm not here. Not you're there. saying neither of them, right? Yes. Which makes it Which makes it interesting, makes it challenging. Yes. Um, and I, I, I hear that you're, you're arguing for subjectivity itself. Um, really, you're arguing for interiorization and for the centrality of that, for the importance of that. And the interiorization is something which is not only mystical experience. Mystical experience for me is part of interiorization, but there are aspects of interiorization, including some aspects of ethics, uh, which is, uh, is something else. And for me, also the point that existential aspects of, of religious life is very important to uh, religious interiorization, and it can be 
together with mysticism, it can be non-mystical. Right, right. And, uh, uh, and uh, in addition, also, uh, uh, the, all the issue of, of rituals, because all the, the question of kavanah, yeah. intention yeah. In, in, uh, in, in, in rituals, that in Judaism, it's a, it's a big uh, issue. Uh, and and um, I think that this issue is an issue of interiorization. It's not less important. So I, I see maybe wider, wider um, picture. Yes, yes. What's also interesting is the way that you argue for the primacy of, of the interior in that the interior creates the exterior, right? You quoted from the Baal Shem Tov that where the person's thought is, that's really where they are. And in some sense, that's very much the modern turn to the subject is this realization that we create our reality through our perception uh, and the power of that, which sometimes can get co-opted by more sort of new age ways of thinking. But I think it's well, a basic... I, I don't take it so easily, right. like, like new age. Right. It's simple. It's very simple in, in, in many new age sects that, okay, only subjectivity. I don't say only subjectivity. Right. I say, but subjectivity is very important to balance the uh, total influence of, of uh, external world. There, there is there is a place for for the objective in your worldview. Yes, yes. Even, but it's is. but it's unreachable in some for sense. For example, when I deal with this text, history is important for me to see the context. Right. In order to understand the, the without the historical viewpoint, you you have no chance to see the context right and the context is important in order to understand what what we are speaking of yeah but but i don't see history as a, a, a main goal a target as itself it's a mean i speak like uh, uh, like harry wolfson from harvard he spoke about it too that uh, history uh, uh, philology are, are means and not target yeah. and 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 uh, I, I think that this is the point, and this is one of the, the problems of humanities, that uh, in life, history lost its status, because in, in Europe, history in the 19th century built the nations. So it was very important. Today, the culture is non-historical culture in many, mm -hmm. in many aspects. But in humanities, in, in, academ in academy, history is still the queen, right. but she is not the queen in, in life. Right. So, when if they will not understand it, they will lose their place totally. Hmm. And I don't say it because I think that history is not important, but I think that history is important as, as, as a mean for contextuality. Uh, and and um, you can see it. I I I am. Also, educator. I, I, I had a program of, of training the teachers many years here at the Artman Institute in the Tel Aviv University. I taught the young men seven years in in, in high school uh, in high schools. Uh, I'm working as an advisor to the um, uh, <coughs> uh, the. Uh, to the uh, education uh, system concerning humanities uh, uh, in general and especially uh, uh, Jewish uh, uh, Jewish sources uh, t t t teaching of Jewish sources 
And I think that as an educator, I see a, a, a wider picture. And, and also as an intellectual, small, modest intellectual, I think that uh, when you think as intellectual, you must admit that the humanities can't stay in philology and history. Right, right, and, um, right. Or else there's a fundamental disconnect between, between what's important for, for, for actual humanity and humanities, yes. and when those two yes, become separated. Yes, 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 yes. That's an interesting point. So, I mean, you've, is it fair to say that for you the ends is ethics? Is that, is that a fair, you're saying the ends is not history, but what? What would you, is there one thing that would fit that slot? Is, 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 is worldview, meaningful worldview, positive worldview, ethical worldview, these are more important, of course. You could, you could see why I, uh, why I was very surprised by the conversation. Usually when you talk to academics, you don't expect positivity and meaning and affirmation. You expect cynicism and skepticism and doubt and criticism. Um, yes, but I think that these are only also means and not targets as, as for themselves. Right. Look, we are sitting in, in Shalom Hartman Institute. David Hartman, I worked with him a lot of years. He was also, like me, professor of uh, Jewish thought in, at the Hebrew University, but he was not uh, an ordinary academic. He was very, he, he, he was very connected to, to Jewish life and uh, to the general life. And uh, he, all the time in his seminars here at the Institute, he was very provocative, all the time provocative. And he didn't give the scholars to sit on the, you know, uh, on their, near their school, near their tables, without being involved in in, 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 in human life and the Jewish life. Yeah, yeah, I hear he that. Demanded all yeah. the time. I appreciate it very much. Yes. He demanded all the time a connection between academic life and 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 the life themselves right real life <laughs> real life <laughs> yeah i really appreciate that i think i think when we're talking in a religious context um and in a historical context really at least in the west when we talk about the ultimate objectivity we, we're talking about god right we're talking about to use the language of philosophy the necessary existence the mechuyav hamitziot as opposed to the rest of existence, which is contingent on God's existence. But this is a very, very medieval concept, you right, know. Right, right. And the uh, contemporary situation, nothing is not mechoyav <laughs> Right, nothing, nothing has to be the way it is. Uh, yes. But for the medieval context, which is one which you study as well, it's certainly the case that God is the objective reality, yes. the truth, capital T, that we all strive towards, the meaning, the good, and the, the wisdom, the wisdom, the beautiful—it's—it's—it's it's, it's the capital of all, of all human values, um, and so therefore, and, and the human, in contrast, is the is the subject, um, and we have this we have this contrast between God and human. On that on that note, on that sort of on that binary, on that polarity, there was a passage here um, from Yochanan Mafs. So he wrote a book on the personhood of God in the yes, Bible, yes. a great biblical scholar. But you bring a quote from another one of his books called Love and Joy. Yes. Um, and I thought it was very, I thought it was immensely profound and really, really knocked me off my feet. And I think maybe this epitomizes 
the the project and the conversation and I was reading this actually last night in bed and I it just it it, it got me out of bed I was like <laughs> <laughs> it was it was really tremendous stuff he writes like this humanity created in the image of the divine personality does not reach its completion without the creative leap of loving communication it is a great mystery that psychologists have not yet understood the importance the Bible has for them. In the image of the biblical God, we have a definition of personality that is remarkably close to the modern definition. It is a little, it is a little known secret that the modern Western definition of personality has its roots in the biblical revolution. The new idea in the Bible is not the idea of one God, but rather the revelation of a new concept of personality. The divine personality is, to a great degree, the mirror image of man's understanding of himself. And if you should react in horror and say you're promulgating heresy, I can reformulate the problem slightly and say God is defined as personality and humanity is created in God's image. Judaism conquered nature, the gods of nature, and put in its place the personality that revealed itself in an act of love. Everything that formerly had a natural quality to it took on in Judaism a personalistic cast. I thought that was a magnificent paragraph and you brought it here for, for a reason. Can you tell us what you will bring this paragraph for and, and what you're reading here in Muff's really revolutionary reading of this relationship between personality and godhood, humankind, the image of God, the image of man. What, what, what does this paragraph meaning for you? Look, I think that the roots of, of uh, these ideas you can find in the philosophy, of, also in the philosophy of Ludwig Feuerbach in the 19th century. The idea of, of, the, uh, of the religious concepts as, as a reflection uh, of, of the higher inner uh, qualities uh, inside human beings. Uh, in other words, you can say that we know about God from the inner higher qualities that we can call it uh, divine qualities. Uh, Hasidism and the Baal Shem Tov uh, said uh, based on, on the verse in, in Job, from my flesh I shall see God. And this is one of the main ideas in Hasidism. And I put him because he, under, he, he, he understood it concerning the Bible itself. Uh, this idea of from my flesh I shall see God, it's maybe the main idea of interiorization as a religious concept. We know about God from the world, but more than this, we know about God from the divine uh, abilities, qualities, uh, higher uh, uh, <coughs> uh, characteristics of, of uh, our personality. Uh, the high inward us, in, in, in our inwardness, is the testimony of the divine outside human beings. And I think that this is a very important Hasidic idea that he, uh, in his book about the biblical uh, personality of God, uh, tried to show it. Uh, 
it's something that uh, I think that I can educate Jewish students, religious and non-religious, traditionalists and secular, seculars, and 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 to see these sources as a, as as a very important, profound sources to understand ourselves and to understand the high qualities that can lead us to be better, that, that, that can lead us to improve ourselves and to improve our, our society. Mm. And uh, this approach to, to Jewish uh, sources at all, or specifically if we speak about the connection or the tension between Kabbalah uh, or the mainstreams of Theosophical Kabbalah and, uh, and, 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 and uh, um, less famous streams that became very important in Hasidism is the understanding that the speaking of God, like in Kabbalah, the speaking about Sfirot, is what we can find inside ourselves. And the, the idea of image is very profound idea. In Middle Ages, Maimonides, they said, image of God is the sechel, is the intellect. Uh, intellect. But we understand after Kant that intellect is, is not the, the, the only point or the, even the main point. Kabbalists understood in the Middle Ages that it's not intellect, it's the, it's the will. And we can speak after the Middle Ages, not only the intellect, not only the will, but about the human uh, 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 characteristics. And maybe uh, this is the real meaning of Sfirot as Midot. Mm. How do you say Midot? Um, character traits. Character. Can, can, can. So, Chesed, uh, uh, Mercy, Rachamim, uh, Din, etc., etc., the names of the Kabbalists, there are powers inside human beings. Right. And the idea is to, to give the higher characters, uh, characteristics like, like, uh, like these, the real place in life. Right, right. So the God image then is really the image of the highest humanity. It's the highest, it's human potential at its fullest is what we're, becomes the God image. The in potential some that God planted and we know about about its divine character because we know it in, in, in our ourselves. ourselves. In ourselves. This so, idea of, of for my flesh I shall see God uh, is, is a very profound idea, Hasidic idea. Right. Do you, that, that shift towards the psychologization um, of the of the theosophy of the Kabbalist. This is the re this is the reason that I don't like to use the word psychologization. Yeah, and I prefer interiorization. Interiorization, right? Because when you say that this is psychology, you mean it's very you it's, it's very humanistic. Right. And I want to see that it's it's not the ordinary habits, uh, 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 aspects of human of, of human life. It's it's the uh, unique. It's the highest. It's the highest. Huh. It's the highest, and mm. therefore these are divine qualities. Mm. And and when we speak about psychological, as Sholem said and others said, 
they lost something very important. Right, right. It becomes, it becomes they a step... It. They right, reduced it. They reduced it. Right, it becomes a step down. This is the reason that Sholem thought that Hasidism is, 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 a, is a kind of reducing of Kabbalah. Right. And it's a, a mistake. A neutralization, he called it. Uh, for example, right, right. It's, it's, it's... Or popularization. Right, right, it's, right. It's more right, important. Right. And he understood... Buber said before him, Hasidism makes Kabbalah et ethos. Yes. And he understood ethos as popularization. Right. But Bubu didn't think about popularization. He think about realization. Mm. Mm. About taking seriously right. the ideas. Right. Right. And, 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 and uh, taking back them back to, to human life. I'm just curious. Uh, and you can find it in the Kabbalistic sources themselves. Right. The origin of this process is in Kabbalah and in, uh, in, in, in Midrashic and uh, in the, uh, the, some ideas of, of the sages. It's not something unique to Hasidism. That's the point of right. Hasidism is that, that they made this process the more important, the most important for them. That's, I actually wanted to ask you about that because a lot of people speak about Hasidism as, as what, what's unique to it is this process of interiorization, as you're, as you're calling it. Um, but but, but I, I know that in your research you look at earlier forms of interiorization. It doesn't begin this with the This was the idea, to look the origins. Yeah. To look for the Can origins. You, I, I know we're already at the end of the conversation. Maybe this is a, an entirely new conversation. But could you tell us very briefly what the origins are and, and, and a very, very short sketch of, of how they make their way Look, to Hasidism? Hasidism, in Hasidism, there was a, 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 a great importance to, to Psalms, to the Psalms. Mm -hmm. And why? Because in many chapters of this important book, you can find a, a expressions of, of a inner religious life. So this is the reason that they, 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 came, they came back to, to, to these chapters. Uh, so this is one, an exa one example. A very early example. A very early yeah. example. Is there a key verse there that, that, uh, that you think about when you, when you think about the interiorization in, in the Psalms? No, I think that uh, not all all the psalms are, are, are interior, right. but uh, but there is a, a a great potential of interiorization in reading uh, the psalms. Uh, once I had a conversation with the biblical researcher, the famous biblical researcher Moshe Greenberg, the late Moshe Greenberg, and he said it's it was a disaster. The Jews lost in the Middle Ages the psalms because they saw the Christians right. using so much the Psalms, so they said, okay, we can give we them this. To them, right, right. And Hasidism gave back. Took it back. They took it back and gave it importance. Uh, this is the first uh, example that I can give you. But there are many examples in the, in the sayings of the sages. Yeah. Um, and, and, and even the idea that um, the reward of, of mitzvah, of commandment, is the commandment itself. Right, right. It's also kind of interiorization. Right, right. Uh, very important. Right. Uh, and, and I can I bring in my book a lot yeah. of, of examples like this. It's also 
in the Middle Ages. In the, in the most important books of the Middle Ages, you can find among the, the, the philosophical or Kabbalistical theosophy also ideas of interiorization that when the Hasids, since the Baal Shem Tov, found them, they put them in the center of right, their life. Right, right, And, and uh, this was the, the, the unique and the importance of Hasidism, which is also important to us today. Because they felt, very strangely, but they felt the need to interiorize their Judaism before modernity came to their life. Hmm. Maybe Rabbi Nachman Bipaslav uh, as the grand, grand, grand son of the Baal Shem Tov was the first who understand, who understood that there is a problem with modernity. But it was not uh, the first generation, not the second generation, even not the third generation of Hasidism. And then in our situation, we there is important to go to to going back to 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 read again these hasidic sources because in these hasidic sources we can find profound answers to the big conflicts with the mythical understanding of religion the traditional mythical understanding of religion because myth is a kind of externalization of inner contents right and when we have problem with, uh, with any myth, is because there is conflict between reality and the, the story of the myth. Mm -hmm. And the way to, to overcome this conflict is to going back to the inner sources of the myth itself. Right. And maybe we can combine a new, new myth hmm. that will not be in conflict with the reality. Right. Isn't there a danger for religion in the process of interiorization? Um, Rosenzweig talks about how when we interiorize God, we're, 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 not, we're, we're very few steps away from atheism, from the non-existence of God. Look, Franz Rosenzweig was the first modern intellectual Jew who decided to return back to traditional Judaism as I see him and I think that it's not it's very uh, very important to understand this uh, this danger as, as he called it this is the situation and the problem is how to overcome it and I I know I don't believe in in artificial ways uh, Buber heard Rosenzweig, they worked together, you know, they were very close in Frankfurt. At the beginning, he, he wrote it against Buber. Hmm. And then he tried by his dialogical philosophy to overcome this problem. And to say it's not inner, the revelation is between. between right. It's between. This is Buber says that. Yeah. Yes. And this is his answer to, to the danger that, that uh, Rosenzweig uh, declared about it. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's a very seri serious uh, answer. It's a very serious answer. They're speaking about the between because the, this uh, uh, tendency of modern people to think, okay, uh, everything is inside, so there is no, nothing outside. Mm. But they, the Hasidic idea that from my flesh I shall 
see God is that I learn about the outside from the inside and it doesn't mean that there is nothing outside. Right. And this is the point that we are not innocent. I don't know if we can say innocent. Naive. Or naive. It's better. We are not naive when we speak about the external aspects of, of, of the divine to accept it as it is and to use the formula, uh, the, the traditional formula is not the solution itself. The solution is to give new meaning to the traditional uh, formula. Mm. And, and um, from this point of view, I think that Hasidism is a good um, storage of ideas to uh, to deal with, the, with, with with these questions, Rosenzweig himself did it when he spoke about the difference between mitzvah and law, commandment and law, and he spoke about the mitzvah which is a, a, a doing with love and not as doing something externally. He went also toward the inner, toward the inwardness. He knew this uh, secret, and he used this secret right, too. Right. So he didn't go against the idea of inner religious life, but against the tendency of modern people to see the inner as a substitute right. of the outer meaning of, of, of God. Right, right. And I think that uh, he understood this point too. Right. Do do the mystics themselves across the traditions recognize this binary of inner and outer, or do you find them trying to deconstruct that binary? I think that they were not like us because they didn't uh, they didn't read Kant. Uh, Some they of them lived, did. I speak about the uh, pre-Kantian. Got it. Pre-Kantian. Uh, I think that they felt that the, these are different fields, but they didn't see the conflict that we find between the inner and outer. And uh, for example, um, the Geonim, Rav Haigaon, when he read about the story about uh, four was who, who entered to the Pardes. This is 8th century we're talking. Yes. He said that they showed everything in their inner, inner eye. Right. Reading, reading the, tra the passage in Tractate yes. Chagiga. Yes, yes. He was not a heretic. Right. But he's and already he doing thought, an interiorizing yes, reading. Yes, yes. This is the reason that I appreciate very much his, his saying about, uh, because he said maybe the heroes themselves felt that they are mm. going out. Mm. And, uh, and the meaning for them was like an ecstasy in the Greeks, uh, among the Greeks. Right. It's something which is going to heaven right. or something. Like but he couldn't accept it as is. But he said, yes, in the inner feeling, they felt themselves in the, in the sky, in heaven. So when I, I, I understood this, I read this, I said, okay, 
he understood very he understood very well the difference between inner and outer and didn't see the inner experience as something which can cancel the religious meaning or the objective meaning of of, of the divine yeah yeah it's I, I'm wonder I'm wondering if you've if you found it interesting when, when mystics are doing more work that's in the direction of correspondence sort of the as above so below that the the action of the ritual affects something above whether that's the neoplatonist doing theurgy or the Kabbalist doing Yechudim yes that the theurgy right that there's sort of a, a that there's a mirror like the the face the, the there's direct connection between inner and outer right so that even even the Baal Shem Tov was like this yeah so, th so it's clear that he was like so this. There's, there's a direct connection there but I'm wondering also they do they have a different do you f do they have a different theory about inner and outer about their permeability about their is it is it the same reality from two perspectives in a spinozistic sense or is, is there any one way that or or all the mystics doing something different in in that question of the relationship between down here and up there subjective and objective i thought i i think that they saw the relations in other way than than most of us can think about it uh, and look, there are many differences between ancient sources and between us. For example, in the Bible, the blood is the soul. Blood is the soul. Right. We can't speak about blood as, as soul. Right. We can't even speak about soul. <laughs> <laughs> for us, soul is a different. Right. But for them, blood is soul right. because blood is vit vitality. Yeah, nefesh. Yes. Yeah. The blood is vitality, yeah. and that means for them that uh, when blood is is bl uh, how spilt, spilt yes, uh, the vitality yeah. uh, will will, yeah. will, will yeah. finish. Yeah. Um, the same thing we can speak about inner and outer in the Middle Ages and especially in the Roman uh, period or in the classic period. They understood it not as as we understand it um you can say the same thing in in continuous to to the blood is the the soul to the understanding of the connection between body and 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 spirit right. for them spirit can 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 exist without any connection to body for us with all our biology and and and, and um, medical and, uh, uh, knowledge it's more difficult to see it like this we can feel something but we see the connection between body and 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 and, and spirit uh, uh, as, as as like something which is very tied together right right so we we, we do live in radically different conceptual worlds than than our ancient predecessors or, or and we might take it in advantage in 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 our mind say it again we might we we might take these differences seriously when we are speaking about such sources of the middle ages or the biblical period we are human beings they were human beings right. but their concepts right. were not our right. concepts right. I, i'm just curious i'm, I'm curious you argue that towards the end of the book you argue for an epistemological interiorization about about our processes of thinking going inner and, and that being a shift from the way things were do you are you interested yourself in in presenting a case for the permeability and the sort of the um 
the mutual the mutual effect of the inner and outer that that the way that we set our minds shapes the world around us and the way that we set our environments shapes our inner experience the i mean i, I hate to i hate to invoke we won't invoke quantum physics about uh, observation changing reality because yeah. i think that's better left to the physicists but but, uh, but, but we must remember this, that it's uh, that it's there as well right that even them right right speak like but, this. but in, in a very simple in a very simple fact like if if, if someone if someone finds a way to change their their state of being inside if they let's say like this if, if someone's if someone smile there are studies that show that if someone smiles force themselves to smile after some time they can start feeling happier and when you feel happier you see the world in a bit better eyes and that makes you there's, there's a there's a positive loop between the inner and outer and that makes them that they're, they're not cut off from each other is that something that you're that you that you're interested in pursuing as well yes i think that we we must use such thoughts more in, in, in our life. Uh, for example, I think that there is connection between these examples, is the idea of aposel posel. You know how to translate it, aposel posel. Uh, when you negate someone, is in something is about something that you have inside yourself. Right, right. If you if you see <coughs> if you see, there's a famous story from the Shem Tov that uh, yes, Negaim Adam which which the simple reading is that a person sees all blemishes yes. besides their own. But the Shem Tov reads that Kol Negaim Adam comma whatever blemish you see on the outside in someone else is Minigayatzmo is your mm -hmm. own your own your own yes, deficiency. Yes, yes. I think that this is something very deep. More and more in my life, I can see myself speaking about uh, or, uh, critical things that I can't accept. And after one, two, three minutes, I say, okay, this is something inside me right. that I don't accept in myself. Right. Before, because I don't accept it in myself, I can't accept it in others. But uh, first of all, we don't see ourselves. We see only the the uh, the, uh, the failure of the of, of our uh, of our neighbor. The what? The the failure or the negative aspect right, or right. the uh, and I think that it's based on this understanding that the inner and outer are together. Right. Right. And to deal to check ourselves. Right. Will change or will improve. Our dealing with the world itself, right, right. and and you can see it. It's typical to a, a culture of interiorization to speak like this, and we need such culture today hmm. because we live in very external culture. Everything is in. So, I mean, you can see everything in the internet. You can see everything in the in the screen of the TV, and then you. You accept it inside to yourself, but we need to see things from inside to outside, mm. not only from the outside to to, mm. to to digest everything inside. Right. And then we can improve the situation, improve right. the world. Because if we can improve th something inside us, we can change our atmosphere, right. our surrounding. Right. It's a it's a, it's a very empowering message. To I mean the. the the famous quote from Gandhi to, to be the change you want to see in the world that that if we really believe that that our outer reality is shaped by our inner reality we and the outer reality the outer reality we don't have control over we can't control what's happening in China and Ukraine and Russia but we can we can control ourselves and and because we live in a mass uh, culture a ma a mass, mass 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 culture okay 
communication is a communication of mass and 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 the mass is not a, 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 a collection of individuals it's less than collection of in, to my soul it's less than collection of individuals because mass has its psychology the masses the masses yeah. they have the psychology of yeah. masses yeah. yeah and we can't permit ourselves giving the Only this ecology of masses to 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 shape totally our life right. Right. we have to do something in contra to this right. situation right. right and interiorization of life interiorization of religious sources it's it's a kind of way to dealing with this situation what's a what's a practical advice if for someone that wants to live more interiorly or take control of interior life what's a, what's a practical step someone could take to take seriously the readings of interiorization <laughs> <laughs> because it's not my book it's an uh, most of the books of this book is is the collection right. of, of, of it's an anthology of sorts. It's, a, it's kind of anthology yeah, that yeah. it's not uh, um, <clears throat> without uh, order and and, and meaning it's, right. uh, it's, but uh, most of the content is not mine yes I try to To show with my finger what is important concerning interiorization I think that the, the point to, to put we are like projectors yeah. to put the light on the most important areas fields points it's, it's this is the contribution of academical work to to the, to the culture right right <clears throat> wonderful I think it was wonderful and I and I, I appreciate the call to interiority I appreciate the call to reading I think the activity of reading itself is a is an inner process that yeah, we, we cool. go inside ourselves I very much enjoyed spending interior time with you with your words and now being able to spend perhaps you can call it a, some sort of loving communication <laughs> <laughs> modeled after here what we were reading and um, and I hope that I hope that it helps you know there, there is a fear where we are producing content here and For, for the internet and it's there is we're partaking in mass media and social media and there's always a fear of are we engaging in that in a holy way in a way that's constructive for humanity and I and I it's my it's my hope and prayer that um, that this conversation both in conducting it and in sharing it is the shame Yehud is for the sake of, of yes. unity I believe too I hope to good and uh, we'd like to thank the Shalom Harman Institute for hosting us for hosting the series and uh, thank you professor Ron Mangolin Thank you run for being here with us and for sharing well, thank you too it was like an entire day conversation because we, we break for lunch we broke for a seminar it felt like we've been speaking all day it's been very enjoyable yes, yes. thank okay. you bye bye it's real